Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg with Jay Billis, who's looking very bald today, by the way, and LaFonso <laughs> Ellis, who, you know, quite honestly, I actually think, Fonz, you could grow it out and be fine. Billis and I, our hair has gone back on defense. We just got a landing strip. But you know, interesting, <laughs> it's interesting what's going on. And we're going to talk about the COVID situation in college basketball. But I saw this note this morning, and uh, you know, I thought it was pretty interesting. We talk about the hierarchy, you know, the great programs in college basketball. And we have a national champion right now in Baylor. They just finished the final game of 2021. They went 32-2 and two with the national championship this calendar year. Since the NCAA tournament expanded in 1985, only three teams have had a year with a national championship and only two losses. Kentucky in 96, Duke in 92. This run of Baylor, in your guys' mind, and I don't think it's stopping, where do you put this? I mean, are we, are, is it time for us to look at Baylor? Likely we'll, in the Big 12, we look at Kentucky or Kentucky. Uh, our Big 12, we look at Kansas, or we look at Kentucky, or we look at Duke, or even we look at Gonzaga. The answer to that is yes, that uh, if you look at Baylor's program from 2010 until now, there are very few programs that can match uh, uh, Scott Drew's success. And as you guys know better than I do, it, it oftentimes takes a Final Four or a national championship to illuminate uh, all your other accomplishments that when you fall short of the final four, you go to elite eights and all that. So I think Baylor's been having two things that have held him back. One has been until last year, the lack of a final four and championship, and then being in the same league with Kansas, Kansas won all those big 12 championships as, as one of the truly elite programs in the country. And Baylor was right with them. Seth, to your point last year, if it weren't for COVID, I think there's a very good chance, if not a great chance, that Baylor would have been undefeated. They lost their game against Gonzaga early in the season. I can't remember if it was December or whatever it was, uh, late November. Uh, that was supposed to be in Indianapolis, got canceled. And then they had a, a, a COVID rip through their team in, what was it, February. And I remember doing their Kansas game at Allen Fieldhouse and, and saying on the air, this is not the Baylor team we know. I mean, this is the COVID Bears and got ripped by Kansas fans. Like, we're just better. Like, no, you're not. Like, they're, th this is not them. And they proved it. Uh, I didn't, you know, look, I, I still thought Gonzaga was the best team, but Baylor proved, all, you know, proved me and, and those with my thought process wrong. But, you know, you look at the numbers and it's really, it's, it's Baylor, Gonzaga, and Villanova as the the non-traditional blue bloods, if you if you count like Duke and, and uh, North Carolina and India, all those blue blood programs, UCLA, those are the three that have set themselves apart in the last 10, 20 years. And Jay, I thought, as you guys know, even when we had the year canceled with due to COVID, I thought Baylor yeah. was going to win it that year. Yeah. <laughs> and they essentially brought that same group back that ended up winning it last year with Mitchell Butler and Teague uh, as the as the lead guards. I think. What I've been amazed at, I thought that there would be significant drop-off coming into this season, right? Adam Flagler is really good. Don't get me wrong. James Akinjo, I thought he would have a bit of an adjustment period coming into it. But they just kind of reloaded with some new dudes like Kendall Brown that we've talked about. This dude is 
long, athletic, can block shots, can run the floor, uh, terrific on closeout situations and driving it and dunking it over the top of you. They've added Jeremy Sohan, who's another long, athletic dude that can knock down threes. And wow, I, I mean, I watched this team defensively and they don't seem like they've lost a step whatsoever. I mean, come on, guys. Damian Mitchell was a lottery pick. <laughs> Butler is in the league. Uh, Macy Oteague, I'm sure, is playing somewhere. You don't lose that kind of talent and then all of a sudden turn back around and be one of the elite teams in all of college basketball. And yet that's exactly what Scott Drew's team has done. I've been absolutely amazed by this team. And they've done it differently because they've done it by developing players. They've done it by evaluating. Mm -hmm. They've done it by continuity in a lot of ways. And they've had really, really good, you know, they'll pick up a transfer here and there, but they've had really good continuity. Uh, you know, you think about, you know, obviously Mitchell came in, obviously as a transfer from Auburn, but he was there for three years. Obviously Butler grew with the program. Uh, Mark Vidal, who we never even mentioned, yes. who just embraced a role. Uh, you know, they've taken division two, II, division three transfers and fit them into what they're doing. But I think, you know, we always talk about recruiting. We get caught up in ratings. Mm -hmm. I think that they literally get caught up in who fits, who buys in, who develops. Uh, look, they're really good players. I mean, Kendall Brown is a, a monster. Sohan is a monster. Yes. Uh, so they've taken some transfers and fit them in with their core group. And I think we talk about great cultures. Uh, it's different now. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. But their culture is about as good as any culture. Because, and I, I used the example the other day, Baylor was playing and they were, I think they were, it was a one point game. What was the, uh, the, their last close game? Uh, and, and most guys would have lost their minds at, you know, walking off half court. I think it was at one point would have lost their minds. I think Scott has the ability to just say, this is where we are. This is what we have to do. This is how we have to do it. We're capable of doing this. Now let's go out and do it. And he kind of mixes and matches his lineups because he's got mm -hmm. some versatility Mm -hmm. But I think that they are, they are really, really good. And, and Fonz, they, they could have won it two years ago. They could win it again this year. And, yes. and uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Now we got two great games tonight. Mm -hmm. LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, just off the top of your head, Fonz, LSU haven't played the, Greatest schedule, but their right. numbers are insane. I yes. mean, you know, number one defensive efficiency. I think uh -huh. they're third or fourth in blocks. Uh, uh, they've got interchangeable pieces. They switch one through five. Uh -huh. LSU Auburn, who's also really good and has interchangeable uh -huh. pieces. What do you like about that game? Well, I, I, LSU is going to be challenged for the first time. That's for sure. They've not played a true road game yet this year. And, and yet I don't want to deny them what you've mentioned that they've accomplished. They have the most efficient defense in the country. This team likes to guard. And I said that we, we talk a lot about the transfer portal. We talk about fit. I think Xavier Penson was like the perfect fit for the way LSU likes to play. Uh, Three-quarter court trap, full pressure that where they can turn you over, get out in transition. And I actually put a little bit of a microscope on him, Seth. I know he's really good in transition at, at finishing and making decisions. But there's a couple times this year where they've gone against a zone and I've watched his zone reads and he's so much more patient and making the right reads even against zone. I feel like that was a great pickup by them. And you know how much I love Darius Days. He might be my favorite player in all of college basketball. Shoots it, defends, rebounds it. 
And this is this is a, a long um, kind of athletic LSU team that I think is going to be challenged tonight by Auburn because Auburn's pressure. They, they they get up in you and they can do kind of the same thing. And of course, Jabari Smith, uh, that, that dude in my mind, not quite a unicorn, but I think that dude should be in consideration for the number one pick in the draft last year, next year with the way that he shoots the basketball and rebounds it and being a team player. LSU has to score off its defense right now to win at the highest level. And they're doing that. Their defense is spectacular. And it's not just how hard they play. It's the personnel that they can put out on the floor that make it really difficult for opponents to get open shots and score and get second shots and the like. The only thing I would say about LSU that you say, well, what about them as a, as a, as a contender for the whole thing is do they shoot it well enough? Uh, they shoot in the low thirties uh, from three and, and that, you know, look, they can survive that way and beat really good teams, but can they, can they win the whole thing with that or challenge for the whole thing? I think they're going to have to shoot a little bit better, but man, what if that team had Adam Miller too, from uh, the transfer from Illinois got hurt. Uh, it's hard to imagine how much better they would be, but, but uh, you do wonder a little bit about their ability to score efficiently when they get put in half court games against teams that, that do a pretty good job of taking care of the ball. Fellas, I just want to say one thing, Seth, forgive me. I'm going to lay out because I, I looked at our ratings from last week when I wasn't here and they were through the roof. So I think it's better for our show. If I just lay out for the rest of the, of no, 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 back negatively our ratings, man. Fonz, the only the only reason that you know you you know you had a very important situation. I mean, you had a you had a wedding to go to. You just forgot to tell us that you forgot the date of the wedding. <laughs> I didn't forget the date of the wedding. I forgot the date that we were leaving. <laughs> the date I mean, was twenty third. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I I know in these COVID times. I mean, Bill has just talked about like. The COVID bears, like they're the bad news bears. So I understand. I understand that the world we live in is, you know, we forget what day it is, we forget what month it is, we forget what year it is. But I mean, you can't forget weddings, Fonz. No, 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 I had the date down. I just messed up the date that we were leaving, Seth. The wedding was on Thursday. I thought we were leaving Monday, but we were leaving Tuesday early morning. Well, Fonz, we, we need your ball done with us. So that's just good stuff. <laughs> you know, you know, hey, LSU, like, does it concern you? Belmont, Penn State, Wake, who's a good team, mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech. I mean, are, are those teams, are, you know, we're looking at their numbers. The numbers are ridiculous. You know, they can go 2 2 1. They can go 1 2 1 1. They play that 1 3 1 and they get matched up in man to man. They switch 1 through 5. Efton read block shots. Yes. You know, like that, the length you guys talked about is ridiculous. I love the Murray kid, Baltimore guards. I love, I love it. Do we, do we know enough about it? Are you, are you guys sold that we know enough about them at this point? Or, or are you in the back of your mind going, all right, now Auburn's a different animal. Auburn, they get after you defensively. They're yes. physical. You talk about scoring, they're physical defensively. Those guards are Johnson's mm-hmm. physical defensively. Jesper's different. And then their front court, you know, Walker Kessler, the last three games, Yes. It's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. 15, 8, and I think five block shots. Might maybe the best front court in college basketball. I mean, are, are we looking at an Auburn team that maybe another team? Maybe we're not talking about them as much as we need to, and they've been a little bit more tested. I think that's right. I, I I'm not sure who I feel comfortable with, what team as knowing them fully or knowing exactly where their ceiling is. 
some teams have played more challenging schedules than others, you know, looking at, at maybe Villanova as the most challenging of the teams that I've seen. I don't think anybody's played a tougher schedule. Yeah. Uh, and it's identified some areas where they can improve quite a bit. Uh, but LSU was probably smart to schedule this way to build uh, a, a team identity uh, before they got into the slugfests they're going to have in the SEC. Um, I think that was probably a smart way to go about it. You know, if you're a team that's been together for a longer period of time and maybe older, whatever, it's not that they're not older, but uh, they maybe they haven't been together. They have a couple new pieces. It, it's probably better to to schedule some tough games, but not heavyweight fights so that you can build some confidence together in your system uh, while winning. Uh, I do think that's a real thing. I, I don't think it would have applied to Villanova or, uh, you know, we could, or Gonzaga, or, uh, some teams want to and have to go out and play more challenging schedules earlier on. But for LSU, I think it's probably the right thing. And and with their schedule in the SEC, we're going to find out. Everybody's yes. going to know by, by February how good everybody is. So you might as well put yourself in the best position to uh, to play when it's really time to play. And now it's time to play. And to your point, Jay, they weren't top 25 teams, but Liberty's likely an NCAA tournament team. Yep. Uh, Wake Forest is a lot better than we would have thought that they would be. That was a good test for them. And because of the way Georgia Tech mixes their defense, that was a nice test for them as well. So, again, not top 25 loaded, but they, they, they had three legit challengers that they were able to navigate and win those games. So I want to give them credit for that. Right. Yeah, and Belmont and Belmont's a hard team to play. Oh, and Belmont, forgive me. Yes, and Belmont. Yeah, I mean, Belmont. I mean, Belmont's and Grayson Murphy and uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, the the big kid and Maslinski. I mean, they don't turn it over. They play their great passing team. I mean, they're a good team. So, how about how about the nightcap tonight? Alabama against you know we you know what we think is uh, you know a Tennessee team that is coming off a great win against uh, Arizona. You know, and, and you know, Alabama. Look, they they miss Herb Jones. They no, they miss Herb Jones versatility defensively. There's no doubt about it. Quinterly's not shooting it quite as well. I don't know if he's putting. You know, sometimes those kids put more pressure on themselves. You know, there's more. You know, basically asked of him, run the team, score it, space the court. But where do you see this Alabama team, who's had great wins? Obviously, Gonzaga was a great win. And then a couple of head scratchers against, a, obviously, a very well-coached Davidson team and a very well-coached Iona team. Where do you guys see Alabama? Very good with a chance to be a second weekend uh, challenger. Not not challenger for the second weekend, but challenger in the second weekend to keep going uh, because they can really score. And they do have – they do play defense. They're, they may not be as versatile defensively as they were last year because of Herb Jones and the like, but they're still legit. Um, you know, I, I don't worry so much about a couple of losses here and there. Sometimes that can be uh, a good thing in a way uh, because it helps you focus yourself that they can't go out and just outscore people. That uh, maybe it is a good reminder that uh, that they were this good. You know, they were so good last year, not because they could score, but because they could limit their opponents in scoring. And uh, and that's really how. Uh, Nate Oates has built the program. You know, the first year he was there, they weren't great defensively and it was limiting for them. And, uh, and last year they were great defensively. They weren't just good. I thought they were a great defensive team last were, year relative to the crowd. Country. 
And this year, they're they're. I think they have a chance to be very good defensively, uh, but it's it's been hit or miss. It hasn't carried them uh, in some of the games. It should have carried them in games like Iona or uh, or Davidson, but it didn't carry them. And they couldn't outscore those guys. And uh, and and I use outscore the way you would use out rebound. You know, just trying to put up more points rather than than defense doing it. But I, I still think they're really good, and I think Tennessee's really good. I just. Tennessee's my biggest concern with Tennessee when I watch them is how are they going to be on the offensive end? Are they going to um, be, yeah, they get stuck. Are they going to be smooth offensively? I mean, look, we all had to sit through that Texas tech game, which was maybe (laughs) worst offensive game I've ever seen. We we sat through it. You actually tried to make it interesting. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the the amount of time between games, you know, they played the first game before Syracuse Villanova. The amount of time it took to repaint the rims was really concerning. Yeah, for me, I I look at their last two losses and I I look at their loss to Memphis. Memphis did a great job of speeding them up. And that was the first time that I've seen this year that Alabama had been sped up. And then they turn around and and I know there's no excuses, but we know what the mindset of we players are like once we're getting kind of towards finals and have a chance to go home. And for a team that's usually pretty good, Alabama, at re, at limiting your three-point shooting ability, the whole team's to about 30% from three, they give up 12 threes to Davidson. So they play against a Memphis team that plays a little different, uh, extends, uh, sped them up a bit. And now you're going into finals and possibly in the break playing against a Davidson team that you got to chase all of their actions. And they didn't do it well. I agree with you, Jay. I still think they're a second weekend uh, capable team. I think as we kind of flip it over and look at Tennessee, it's up to you all year. The difference for Tennessee and their wins and losses has to do with their freshman Kennedy Chandler. When, when Kennedy Chandler is playing well, and he's scoring, he's distributing, not turning the basketball over. It's a really good Tennessee team. When teams have been able to take him away, uh, I think in, in those last two losses, I think he, I'm not even sure if he even combined for 10 points in those games for a guy who was leading them in score. He, he's really the key. If you can shut him down, then you have a chance to beat Tennessee. And I agree with both of you. As a result of that, they get stuck a lot on the offensive end. But, you see, Fulkerson have a huge game for them because I think he's the key for them going forward. And those two losses, five for 28, six for 40 from the three-point line. I understand they're shooting 40% of their shots from the three, but when you're five for 28 and six for 40, you're not winning. Yes. EJ, how you doing, man? I'm good. How about you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, <laughs> The, the two things I had to ask you, and 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 I'm happy that you take time to be with us. Obviously, Jay Bells and Bonds yes. are here here with me. Um, you have a lot of talents, but th- there's a rumor that back in the day, <laughs> way back in the day, you have always been an Ohio State fan. And we had this one picture we wanted to show you back in the day, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can get it up on the screen. So we can't get on the screen. We'll we'll jump past that. Let me ask you, your athleticism, the way you play, your timing, rebounding the ball and blocking shots. I hear there's someone that come that it comes from. Who, who who's giving you that gift? It's not my dad at all. He's a football player, but it's definitely my mom. She had a great timing with volleyball. She was an undersized middle blocker at Illinois State when she played volleyball back in the day, and I think they made it to the Sweet 16. She told me so. Uh, she said, "I got the skills from her and my basketball skills." So, <laughs> <laughs> the 
This is back in the day. I mean, you already wear you already wear no, you're in a Buckeye uniform already, man. I mean, like you could have saved a lot of guys' aggravation and just committed right away. Despite yeah. the two-time player of the year in the state. Okay, the context of this video, I went in my photos from like a long time ago. Me and my little brother, like we would play basketball, like on a mini hoop. And I was so much bigger than him, I had to be on my knees to make it fair. So I just I just surprisingly found this picture in like my old Google photos from like 2012. So yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I'm more interested in the haircut. You, color? you got the fade going. Yeah, that was my box. Now. I was I went through a phase where I dyed it. Uh, my friends told me it was a good idea, but it, it wasn't a good idea. <laughs> hey, hey, we dyed it and you see what happened. <laughs> we probably used weed killer. <laughs> oh man. EJ, what, what are some of your hobbies outside of basketball? You're from Belleville, Illinois. I'm from East St. Louis, Illinois. Most of the guys like to fish. Are you a fishing guy? Yeah, uh, me and my dad used to go fishing with my grandpa probably at like five o'clock in the morning out at uh Carlisle. Lake Carlisle. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so we used to go fishing all the time out there. Um my hobbies outside, I just I just play video games and chillax a little bit, honestly. I'm more of a laid back guy. I like to hang with my family a lot and uh hang with my teammates. That's about it. About your teammates, uh, you've got one teammate, Zed Key, who is like the team handyman. Uh he 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 fixes everything, he changes uh tires, installs TV sets for you guys. Uh, and I'm also told has a pet snake, which is really concerning to me, especially really on concerning. road trips. <laughs> so t- tell us what Zed does for you guys and what, what he's done for you. Zed, Zed is definitely an interesting, interesting uh, guy. He, like first day on campus, he like was nonstop talking about cars. I was like, okay, cars is his thing. Uh, this past year when I moved into my new apartment, he hung up my TV for me. Nice. Uh, and every time I need something, I just call Zed up. And about the snake, I, I, I don't get around the snake. I'm not a fan. Uh, so. <laughs> Good decision. <laughs> I don't even look at it through the phone. I think snakes are probably my worst fear, so I'm not ever going to go around that thing ever. Do other teammates of yours have pets? Uh, no, no, not that I could think of. I remember somebody had a hamster like my freshman year, but the snake is probably the, the only one. Yeah, and it's because the snake ate the hamster. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful uh, listening to us. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, um, you guys obviously were shut down a little bit. H- how hard was I mean, you guys have a special team. And I, you know, I had a chance to watch you guys practice early in the year. You could just feel, you know, the trust that you guys have in each other. But how difficult after going through it once before, just being shut down, and uh how do you guys deal with that, man? Uh I mean everybody really wants to play badly, including me. I really want to play badly and uh, just, just going through sitting out a long time. I'm, I'm not a fan of that at all. I just was like sitting down itching, ready to play. Like, honestly, uh, the games that we were canceling uh, just, just hurt a little bit, honestly, because I hate missing games. I don't usually miss games ever, but uh, I'm happy this is happening now rather than later in the season. Uh, we're going through this now and, Hopefully we could build up back some rhythm going into the Big Ten. So it should be fun. EJ, what was the experience like? What was the experience like for you to go through the, the draft process and and what did you learn going through it? 
Uh, they always, uh, in the drafts process, you just learn about different things about yourself. Uh, they mostly pick out the things you need to get better at. But uh, the feedback I got was just get better at the things I'm good at. I don't have to change my game to a completely different player. Uh, just improve in some areas, get my shooting percentage up, just be able to guard the space. And I've been improving on that. I've had my moments on defense, and I still like I'm going to get better as the year goes on. EJ, before you mentioned about missing games, as Seth asked you that question, speaking of missing games, what have you missed with Justice Suing being out? I mean, obviously, he's one of your key guys. Yeah, people tend to forget about how like good of a player Justice is and how big of an impact he has on the team. And I feel like his impact on the team uh, when he comes back this year is going to be huge. Uh, he's a do-it-all guy. He gets to the free throw line a ton. Um He's just a great player all around. So uh, when he comes back, we're going to be a lot better as well as South Towns. Your coach, Chris Holtman, has has told each one of us separately, I think, that and maybe together when we we talk to him, that your conditioning uh, has been fantastic, that it's been a, a great commitment from last year to this year. Aside from from your workouts, what, what have you done to change um, maybe your diet or to, to make that commitment to, to better conditioning? Uh, just learning about nutrition, honestly, because I used to think uh, some things were healthy. I would go to Subway and get a Subway sandwich. I think that was like completely healthy because it's fresh. But uh, I'm just learning about food, honestly, staying away from fire foods, um, just eating better, honestly, all around. Uh, I got no BW3s. I hear BW3s is your go to. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I heard a rumor yeah. about this. Yeah, that's, probably, that's my favorite restaurant, but I've been staying away from that. I haven't had that in a minute. So, yeah. <laughs> They have salads. They do, but I'm not going to Buffalo Wild Wings. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart man. A guilty eater, just like BJ. Yes. <laughs> uh, coach told me that Kobe Bryant, he said that that was your guy. Uh, is it true that every time you shoot a little step back fade, you're kind of thinking of how he would shoot it? Yes, every single time. Uh, because I, I watched so many highlights of Kobe Bryant and uh, just his little fadeaway turnaround jump shot. I was like, oh, that's kind of difficult. I want to try that out. So when I was younger, I used to try it all the time. Uh, think of the clock winding down in my head. Like uh, everybody, I'm pretty sure, yells Kobe if they shoot a piece of paper in the trash can. But uh, that's my thing. When I do it, uh, I, I kind of honor him. EJ, do you like to bump and freeze the defensive player and then fade? Or do you fade depending on whether the defensive player is playing you? I don't know. I just be playing, honestly. Sometimes I bump them. I feel like they're playing me kind of tough. But other times, if they're just laying off, I just fade. I don't know. Uh, I don't be thinking about it in the moment. I just I just play. <laughs> nice. Has your role changed? Ex explain to him why you had, you had one of the great fadeaway jumpers before Kobe, right, Fonz? No, <laughs> no that'd be Michael. <laughs> I, was an, I was an undersized four. EJ, and so I was always trying to figure out ways how to create separation to be able to get my shot off against taller players in my position in the league. And so my favorite shot was my fadeaway jumper over my right shoulder. And uh, if I would turn and wouldn't feel him, then I would just fade into the shot to make sure that I had the requisite uh, uh, space between him and, and, and my shot to be able to get it off. Whereas if I turn and I felt him, I'd bump him and freeze him to make sure that I had an additional split second or two to get it off. That's why I was asking you which you preferred. 
EJ, the first part of your career, you, you played uh, defense against mostly five men where you're, you know, you played a lot of post defense and, and now you're guarding out on the floor much more. Uh, what, what's that adjustment been like and, and how have you felt like you've handled it? Yeah, last year was a gauntlet, honestly. Like every single night it was a seven footer and um, I, I took on the matchup really well. But after the games, I was pretty sore just banging with all those okay. <laughs> But uh, the adjustment this year is just is me learning, honestly, because I haven't done it since I've been here. I did it a little bit my freshman year, but probably play like 14 minutes max. But just learning and just learning the details about where to be and how to close out and different things like that. Uh, so I'm, I'm a student of the game and I'm going to keep getting better at it. Zach Eady must have been a lot of fun to bang around with. <laughs> he, was the only, he was the only player to dunk on me last year. And I literally have a, a screenshot. <laughs> Feet still on the floor while he's on the rim. So like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> he plays nerf. He, he plays nerf basketball basically at yeah. times. If he catches <laughs> a team, it's just a different. Now, hey, your program has has a great culture. Like what what are the things like? I know every team has as a guy that can imitate Coach Holtman. I, I'm sure I don't know if it's you or not, but I know you guys are almost brainwashed into certain sayings. Like what are some of the things that Coach? Like pounds into you guys every day. It's a few things, honestly. Is uh, be a great teammate. We have these core values. Uh, uh, one of them is be a great teammate. Uh, another one is just effort plays, uh, dominate effort plays, and all those different type of things. He just keeps punching that every single day. And I was just say, be a great teammate because, uh, like I have on my shirt, it says family. And that's what we're all about here. And that's why I came here, and that's what I love about the culture. So it's great stuff right there. So what have you been binge watching lately? Uh, I watched all the shows last year, even if the new shows came out. But my favorite TV show is The Flash. I'm a big fan of The Flash. I like <laughs> things. I just went to see see Spider Man. Probably one of the best movies I've seen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not gonna spoil it. Anything. <laughs> Have you always been so? So you make a distinction between DC and Marvel, or are you just like all type of those kind of movies? Uh, I'm more of a Marvel guy, but I like DC uh, when it comes to the Flash and uh, different yeah. guy in the DC. Very cool. But yeah. If you were a superhero, which one would you be? Oh, I like that, Fonz. That's big time. Mm. I'm Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say Hawkeye because he don't miss. Like, everything That's is like just uh, <laughs> good. I remember him saying, like, he went golfing 18 and he hit 18. I'm like, That's crazy. So, <laughs> I would say Hawkeye. Nice. You know, that, that teammate thing, we might have to work on that with Billis, Fonz. What do you think? Maybe give him a little be a great. <laughs> as long as you guys are doing it, as long as you guys are being great teammates, I don't see why I should have to. <laughs> you want a three-year badge, right? It's about three-year badge. If you want to win, put me in. <laughs> hey EJ, have you ever had a guy on your team that states his opinion like it's a fact? It's really <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've had a few of those. <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> oh my well, God. Hey, hey, good luck. Stay healthy, man. And you guys have a special team. It's really cool to see that you're enjoying you guys are enjoying it because you guys have a great culture and terrific environment. And uh stay healthy and have a great year. Stay away from Zach Eady though. Uh, <laughs> and stay away from that snake. Stay yeah, away from that snake. I will stay away from that. <laughs> I can promise that. All right, man. Be be good. Thanks for being Sir, with us. Appreciate yeah, you guys. Appreciate you guys. All right. 
What a great kid. Good dude. Yep. Something about those kids from around that St. Louis area, man. I don't know, man. Jeez. They're good dudes. <laughs> My experience is most of them are pain in the ass, but he's an exception. <laughs> Wait, for the record, for the record, you told me you wanted me to act like a diva after the Ring of Honor induction. So I'm just doing what you asked me to do, bro. I didn't ask you to be a diva. I said you were going to be one. <laughs> Well, turns out, turns out, stating my opinion like fact, that is a fact. <laughs> hey, 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 Billis is like the LeVar ball of our team. <laughs> he speaks things into existence. <laughs> hey, Chris Altman, you know, I, I, I talked the other day, his staff the other day, and you know, he, he just said the kid is absolutely unbelievable. He said mm-hmm. he's just every single day, he's just that the same person and, and just, uh, yeah, he always wanted to go to Ohio State. I mean, two-time state player of the year in Illinois, and his his dream was to go to Ohio State, and he said he's he's the best teammate they have, which is really cool. Well, the thing that uh, – obviously, he's a great player, um, but from the time I first met him, the thing that has always really impressed me is he's got a very secure uh, feel for exactly who he is. And it doesn't mean yeah. that he's not striving to become a better player, better person, better student, all those things. But but he's very comfortable with who he is and he's not trying to be anybody else or put up a front or anything like that. And uh, he's just an impressive young man that is is a great player. And I think is going to play. I think he's going to play a long time in the NBA because his game really fits the NBA because he can shoot it. Uh, He's mobile, agile, and he can get off the floor like his shot blocking at his size is is incredible. Just really ridiculous. And he's in great shape. He has tremendous strength as well to be able to finish through contact. And I think that's an element of his game that will develop even more when he gets to the NBA. I couldn't agree with that. All right. Hey, we're going to play a little game here. I'm going to, do, I'm going to give you a couple, a couple teams on a buy or sell. All right. And, uh, like, what do we know about Texas? I'll buy Texas because I think they're going to continue to get better. Uh, they have so, as you guys know, they have so many new pieces that were star players on the teams that they came from. And 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 they have, you know, Ramey and and Jones that that were holdovers from from Shaka Smart. So they've got a bunch of really good pieces. And I think as the year goes along, uh, they're going to figure it out together. And that's another place where they're building. You know, Chris Beard always builds a, a really good culture and he's building it at Texas. Uh, uh, you know, personnel wise, maybe we. We went on personnel to rank them, you know, kind of top five before the season. And maybe they're a lowly 12th, you know, 12th team or 15th right now. But they're going to be capable of of beating anybody by by the end of the year, I believe. So that that would be a buy for me. Yeah, I'm buying them as well. You know, I've been pretty high on them all year. To your point, thought that they would get better and better as the season went on because of so many new pieces. And I wanted to see the impact that Dylan Disu once he got because I thought he would give them something that they didn't have, which is a guy who can actually block shots because as good as Trey Mitchell is, Trey Mitchell's more of a scorer, not a great defensive guy. And they needed that one guy that, you know, once a mistake is made on the perimeter, that that dude can erase it. He had, what, five block shots in his last game. And so I'm I'm very high on Texas as I was before, but especially now that Dylan Deesu is available. Here's my one thing on Texas. I think they got to settle on a point guard. I think Marcus Carr eventually is going to be that guy, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, Courtney Ramey can play off him. Obviously, Andrew Jones, I'm not sure if you can play those three guys together. Um, 
I think that's the one area. You know they're going to defend. You know they're going to get better because they run more motion than most people, more real motion than most people. Uh, I just, you know, we look at them. We're projecting everything because the two games, you know, the real competitive games that they played, they didn't play as well. Uh, I think this is is huge because he can also shoot at Fonz. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's a big body. I mean, he's really Mm -hmm. a good player. I don't know how you play him and Trey Mitchell defensively together. But, you know, I think they're going to be an interesting – Another Texas school, and then we're going to talk about some New Year's resolutions. You guys have any feel for Texas A&M? It's, it's, it's interesting because a little bit different. Uh, I talked about though they didn't play top 25 competition, uh, but the level, the some of the competition that they did play against uh, with, with regard to LSU, I just don't see that with Texas A&M. So it's, it's hard for me to latch on to even any of their metrics because I don't feel like they played against anybody. Yeah, I saw them in, uh, in Maui, in the, the Vegas Maui tournament, and I was impressed with the way they defended and the way they're capable of defending. They can turn the heat up and force turnovers and, and turn defense into offense, which I think they have to do. Uh, they're not a, I don't, I don't look at the Aggies as a really gifted scoring team. Uh, they can score, but I don't think they're incredibly gifted on the offensive end, if that makes sense. So I think they're, they're, they're a tournament level team. Uh, but I think they need to, um, continue to get better in half court offense to, to be, uh, an upper, upper level SEC team. I think they're going to take some, they're going to take some lumps in the league because the SEC is just so damn good. New Year's resolutions for teams. All right. Like, you know, some things that, you know, for the new year, certain teams just have to have to get better at or improve it. If they're going to continue to make that next jump, I'm going to start off UNC. They need an alpha. They need a guy that when they're not making shots can bring those guys together and get them to dig down, get a stop, get a big rebound, play harder you know, player-led teams, we always talk about it better than that than coach-led teams. And no one's more competitive than Hubert. We all know that. That's why he's had the career he's had. But if they're going to be as good as potentially they can be, like I look at their team and I say, their resolution is someone's got to step up in that locker room and, and, and coach the locker room. Does that make any sense? And just mm-hmm. give them a toughness that they need to compete when things aren't going, e- when things aren't easy. So that, that, that's my first one on my resolution. I don't know what you guys think about that. I like it. Uh, and I think Caleb Love is probably that guy because he's got the ball in his hands the most. So I, I would say he's the one whose voice and action needs to, to maybe uh, rise up to where the team uh, needs to be. And I think he's fully capable of doing that. Uh, I would go my, my New Year's resolution uh, would be for Michigan State. And it would be two resolutions. One to continue to take care of the ball as they have the last few games uh, with the development of Tyson Walker, because he's getting, he's now the the guard that we thought he would be at the beginning and it's taken him a little while to get here, but that's okay. There's not a timetable on this, Uh, but, but he's been very good and Michigan state has been better with the ball, which was I think for the, the our little trio here of bald guys was our biggest concern for them. Okay. And then the next would be Joey Hauser getting back to being Joey Hauser. That look, I, I none of us know what what players are really going through individually or collectively. Uh, the, these journeys are hard, especially through a lot of the things that players have to deal with now and the challenges that we have as a society. But I haven't seen Joey Hauser be Joey Hauser yet. And if he if he can be what what he's capable of being 
and I don't see any reason why he can't. Um, that's an, that's another step on the ladder for Michigan State to be a, a, a legit contender, and I think they can be. Yeah, I would agree that they can be a legit contender. Um, as far as resolutions are concerned, I, I have a it's kind of a resolution and a sadness at the same time. Houston, I thought, was a second weekend team plus. Then all of a sudden, Tremont Mark goes out for the entire year with the shoulder injury. Marcus Sasser's out with a toe injury. So you're talking about a combined 28 points a game that they've got to figure out how to replace. We know they're going to continue to defend. We know they're going to continue to be a terrific offensive rebounding team. But as I look at that team, Kyla Edwards and Taze Moore have more pressure on them now to be able to produce on the offensive end, having lost those two guys. So the resolution, you've got to be able to find other guys now to be able to step up to fill that void, man. My heart just goes out to them because injuries suck anyway, but they particularly suck when you leave or when you lose two key guys like that for a team that can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's crushing Fonz, but one of the one of the things that that may have to change, there may be a little bit of a focus change that some of the the assets that they have inside, whether it's Josh Carlton or Fabian White Jr., whatever it is, they're going to have to be a more interior oriented team. And yeah. and that's not necessarily like, like they've got a lot of pieces. It's just that they're going to have to play differently than they'd envisioned. And yeah. if there's anybody I would trust to pivot and not feel sorry for himself, it would be Kev, uh, Kelvin Sampson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, Houston's still going to be good. They're still going to have yeah. a good year. But the, as you say, Fonz, the, the ceiling that they had is it may change. Uh, but the, they're still going to be good. It'll just be a focus change on how they play. Hey, Jay, was Seth barking? Yeah, no, he was going. Was that was his alpha you. thing. That was the alpha thing. He's got, you know, he's he's got an alpha dog that he's going to send to Hubert. Like Seth is on top of this shit, Fonz. Like you got to you got to keep up. Yeah, Jake. Jake definitely an alpha dog. No doubt. About it. I, I, I'll tell you about the Kansas. Like Jalen Wilson, Dave McCormick got to. You talk about getting back yes. to who they were. I yes. mean, like you know, Jalen Wilson last year averaged eleven points a game, seven rebounds, shot a respectable 32% from the three. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I know he missed those games early and it's, he's trying to get back into that rotation, but if they're going to compete for a national championship, Jalen Wilson and David McCormick got to get back to where they were a year ago, giving them a little inside scoring. And then I just think Jalen Wilson gives them a versatility that takes pressure off of look, Oshai Baji, he could be player of the year. Christian Brown is mm-hmm. I think playing as well as, as anyone. I think Remy Martin has settled into finding what I call being selectively aggressive, you know, because he can score up and picking his spots. Made that big shot the other night against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, they've got pieces, but if they could get those two guys to be just a little, get back to who they were, because then you got another wing defender, because let's face it, they haven't guarded the ball as consistently as they'd like, and you've got a guy that can get them to the free throw line that I think Kansas is a Final Four team. They might be without them, but those two guys would make a big difference for their resolution. If they could figure out a way to get the light bulb to go on those two guys, I think they'll be – they're dangerous. That's a, that's a great point, Seth, and it's one of those things that I, I have to constantly remind myself of, even though I, I know it to be true, that you know if a team puts up a bad week or bad performance or things like that, they're still going in the laboratory every day and working on it to get better. And I remember last year 
with Syracuse. Like you talked to Jim Beheim and, and it seemed like, you know, it was a death march every day. It's like, we can't beat anybody. We can't do this. We can't do that. And the only time he was positive, if you told him that Joe Lenardi has him outside the tournament, then it's say he doesn't know what he's talking about. We can win. In the tournament. <laughs> then, they, then they became good. But, but, uh, but they kept going to practice every day and working on their deficiencies and getting better and getting better and getting better. And I don't, you know, there, there's nobody better at that than Bill Self. He's one of the best He's coaches I've ever been around in any sport. And so they've got all the pieces. I think they're going to continue to improve, uh, as they, they go along in the season and, and they'll, they'll be, they'll be there at the end. I know that. Yeah. And, and remember guys, David McCormick got off to a slow start like this last year. And then for a two-month period, that dude was one of the best bigs in, in America. So mm-hmm. hopefully he will kind of regain that confidence and that type of production that he had the last two months of the season and, and get himself going. Because to your point, uh, if if he particularly can secure the middle of the floor for Kansas, then they're, they're certainly a Final Four team. The team that I think of that I'm that not concerned about necessarily, but this is a, Gonzaga's a national championship caliber team. Yet, if we think about it, there's really only one or two games that Andrew Nimhard has been, like, special, right? And so, was it Texas that they beat and he had 24 points or, or something along? No, no, it was UCLA, forgive me, uh, where he had 24 points. But it, it, he's really only had two double-figure scoring games on the year, and he's shooting only about 31% from three. I think with the way Gonzaga plays with their flow offense and that kind of thing, I think they need more production from Andrew Nimhard more consistently as we go along for them to win a national championship. Well, what are your guys' New Year's resolutions for yourselves? To lay out of this broadcast. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> to have more weddings to take you away from this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, takes, you see the difference is and, and jay you're gonna understand this you know the weddings are fine when you have a son we're trying to have a little television time out for the weddings winner for for your daughters yes <laughs> there's a different responsibility <laughs> yeah but seth what you really need He's to do is, is <laughs> no but you what you really need to do is start being vocal about the antiquated notions in our society that the the family of the bride should pay for the wedding. I mean, that makes no sense. And so we really need to we really need to just change that. Uh, it, it should be Dutch. Everybody should pay half. Um, <laughs> um, and we should start that now. Equality is important in our society. And it should if it can't start where it should start, then we should start it with weddings, especially given your current circumstances. Or have one exactly. or yours in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Anything I can do to help the Mills family, that, 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 that's fine. <laughs>